Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today I got a really cool guest with us. Her name is Sophie Goss, and I met her through the uh, Daily Audio Bible Facebook group, among things, and, you know, we kind of got to talking, got to know each other, and when I learned of her story and how she came to know Christ and her heart for different things, I just thought it would be a really good story to share, to, to encourage, and so on. So, Sophie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Teresa. I'm really glad to be here. Well, we are glad to have you. So, let's step back. Before the da- Daily Audio Bible, before everything, um, what was your religious upbringing? I was actually raised in a Christian home by my grandparents, both my teen mother and unknown father handed me over at a young age. So I was raised by my grandparents. They were Christian. Um, And so I actually did spend most of my young life going to church. In fact, in the house I grew up in, it was a requirement. Um, As long as I lived under my grandparents' roof, roof, I was told I needed to attend church with them. So I attended one church or another with them until I was about 18. Okay. So so you had the typical... Christian upbringing, hey, you're kind of, you had a drug problem, you were drugged to church, so on and so forth. (laughs) So (laughs) what happened? What happened at 18? As soon as I moved out, I wanted to go my own way. What happened at 18 really was something that, that began much, much earlier in my life. But at 18, I got to express my abandonment or rebellion, I guess. I think like a lot of other people who have early experiences in the church. I saw people do disappointing things, things that didn't seem very Christ-like. And I'm a very sensitive person. I don't know. I have a delicate disposition, I suppose. And I take things seriously. And I've always held people to um, high standards, myself especially. And when I saw people not walking their talk, I became very saddened and ultimately very jaded by all of it. I think it's also important to say that I never felt that I had a relationship with Jesus. Um, You know, I I went to church. I had a a relationship with church, I guess, but we didn't read the Bible at home. We didn't pray except over meals. So there wasn't really a spiritual life outside of church. And so that part of me never never formed. Well, it would be safe to say that you saw the religiosity and the religious trappings, but you never really saw the uh, a genuine relationship with Christ, either within yourself or within your parents or grandparents. My grandparents, yes. That, I think that would be fair to say. At this point in time, what happened when you were uh, 18? So when I was 18 and um, was able to get enough hours at work that I could move away. I did and just began living a life that didn't involve church. And I'm from a part of the world that's not very churched. Um, I'm from one of the least churched states in the nation. Um, There are very 
the town that I was living in and had grown up in was largely an anything goes kind of a place. And there were Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of different belief systems in a lot of the people I knew. So I just started experimenting, I guess. I mean, I do think that I always wanted to believe in something. I have a strong uh, seeker quality to me, I think. And I really was seeking truth. And, but I, I sought it in some some very different places. I mean, when I left the church, I walked far away from the church. Okay, so so if you were not interested in church, what did you come to in order to replace it? I was seeking to understand myself better, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was seeking to elevate myself. I believe um, now. I, I don't think I had a. I don't think I had a clear understanding or purpose of, of really what I was doing. I don't think I had a an understanding of, of uh, my own motivations at that young age. But, right. I, you know, I saw a lot of people doing various new age practices. Um, mm-hmm. I saw a lot, I was surrounded by a lot of people who were doing divination. So that was probably my first foray into um, new age stuff. I had friends who had tarot card decks and things like that. And so um, I started with that. I didn't ever really take to it. I mm-hmm. actually really wanted to, but it didn't really feel like it was necessarily for me. I had those things. I kept them with me and I, I had books about how to do it, but I didn't really do it. At that point, I wasn't all that serious about, I don't know, my spiritual growth, I guess. I was curious, but not really serious. Did you ever get like super serious? Um, I and, did. Okay. And so what, ha- <laughs> what happened? Well, that's much, much later. I just want to be clear that uh, this day that you're speaking to me, I'm 46 years old and mm-hmm. we're talking about when I was 18. So that wasn't no, I, I a long time ago. <laughs> right. No, I understand. You know, a lot of things happen um, oh, yes. in between and, you know, we, we everybody has their journey. For um, sure. Yeah, so I think I would I would characterize my 20s and part of my 30s as kind of dipping in and out of various new age practices but not with very much sincerity or seriousness. It was kind of going along with uh the people around me. And then, you know, around the time that I married my husband, I was kind of just not believing in much of anything and was not really practicing anything. I was still carrying all of those things around with me. You know, we would move and I would pack boxes and I would see my sort of pagan books and and things, but I wasn't really using any of those things. Wasn't tending to any kind of spiritual garden at all Um, and was really focused on, I guess, the life of the mind. I had you know, gone to graduate school and was trying really hard to establish a career and, you know, was married and just, I wasn't really thinking about spiritual matters at all for quite a long time. But I would say, um, let's see, in in 2010, I initiated a really big transition in my husband's and and my life. Um, We had moved to the Midwest a couple of years before that, um, so that he could accept a job. And when I 
when I knew I wasn't happy there and I kind of got fed up with where we were, I initiated us to return to Oregon where we live. And that was a really hard return. There wasn't really a, a safety net or anything to catch us. It was a very stressful time. We ended up living with someone initially kind of couch surfing almost for a while. During that time, that person we were staying with um, was, he could see I was struggling and um, that things weren't going very well for us. And he, you know, kept inviting me to this Unitarian church that he was going to. And then he started introducing me to people. I would just characterize this person as being very spiritually open. And so he just kept encouraging me to to do a lot of new agey activities like playing with stones and getting a pendulum for divination and, and, you know, going and doing yoga and um, with this group of Unitarians and just a lot of things. He introduced me to people. He introduced me ultimately to a woman who I became friends with. She called herself, she still calls herself a shaman and a healer. And I think I just was in a very vulnerable place. Um, I mean, I take complete ownership of this, but I, when I think about, you know, the space, my headspace at that point in time, I was, I was really ready for something big and transformational to happen. Mm -hmm. And so I, for the first time, really sunk my teeth into the new age, um, starting in, in 2010. My marriage was not going well. <laughs> the transition to try and come back was, was not going well. And I just, the more stressed I became, the more I started looking for help and answers um, through the new age. For clarification, when you talk about a Unitarian church, uh, what exactly do they believe? They do not profess Christ. Um, I didn't attend the church for very long, so I want to be clear that I'm not an expert on Unitarian Universalism at all. I never became a member of the church, and I, I really can't say for sure, but I know that they don't profess Christ. I know that they, it's really about a, a plurality of beliefs. It's, mm. it's kind of there for people from any number of faith traditions to come together in a way that doesn't offend anyone and to just sort of sing and have fellowship of a kind, I suppose. Okay, so it's basically anything goes as long as you believe in something. Would that be a fair assessment? Yes, I believe so. I mean, I think that, you know, while Jesus is certainly um, mentioned, I think that he is given, you know, the same rank as other, you know, as, as sort of prophets and, and other leaders of other belief traditions. So, yeah. Okay. So moving forward, you, you meet this woman. And um, so what happens once you start saying, all right, I'm going to take things a little more seriously. I'm going to delve into the new age. I'm going to work with this shaman. What happened um, from there? Well, interestingly, um, <laughs> in retrospect, I can see this. What happened almost immediately is that my husband, mm, he started to pull away a little bit. Then I kind of reached deeper not noticing a connection between choices I was making and things that were starting to happen in my marriage. That isn't to say that things were always roses, but it, you know, there was a, a real connection between 
when I started spending time with this woman and getting further into the new age and, and a, a marriage that definitely was starting to dissolve. So my husband actually took a position clear across the country. I think he was hoping that he could um, lure me out there and I wasn't going to have it. So he, he went away to work for probably six months somewhere else. And when it became clear that I was just fine, thank you very much doing my own thing and, and working with this woman and, and, uh, you know, trying to self-actualize that I didn't need him, I suppose. Then, you know, he, he came back, he came back. Wow. So, um, you know, it definitely was taking a, a powerful hold of my, my thoughts and, and the choices that I was making. And I was definitely becoming, I think, more stubborn and, and more hard-hearted, though I, at the time, I don't think it felt that way. Um, well, you know, it, it's, it's funny because, I mean, when you're that deep into something, you don't necessarily see the problem, even if other people see it. Um, right. To you, it's like, hey, I'm fine. I'm just doing my thing, you know. Right. Um, I'm trying to better myself. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, I can kind of relate because I went through a period of time where I was trying to cover some pain of my own. And uh, so I got very deep into MUDs, which are multi-user dungeons, and everybody saw the addiction, but I didn't. I got deeper and deeper and deeper because I needed it. So I totally get where you're going with that. Um, <laughs> so... What did this actually look like when, when you were, was it just going into divination or did you play with other things? And Yeah, it was primarily going into divination initially um, and doing a lot of, a lot of journaling, but I was kind of beginning to invite helpers, unseen helpers while I was doing this. And I, I didn't really oh, have a boy. for it and I didn't really understand it exactly, but this was kind of how I was being coached um, by my by the shaman friend. So I was, um, yeah, just doing a lot of divination, trying to figure myself out and figure out my life and gain some some greater sense of control over it. I think some greater sense of self mastery, and so those were the primary things. She was suggesting I set up some kind of altar. To whom I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I mean, I still to this day don't really understand what that altar represented, but it was some kind of invitation, I think now. Um, I wow. Just, um, and so I, you know, she said, you know, put a bowl of water by the door and, you know, put something else that means something to you near the bowl of water. And so, you know, I was, I was doing a few things like that in the home as well. Again, not really understanding it, but just uh, really trusting her to lead me in this a little bit. Eventually this led to energy healing work that she also did mm. on me, on my person. So that was something that I started to experience. And those were, I think once I let her do that, once I had agreed to that, that's really when, I don't know, for lack of a better word, I think that the gates of hell really started to open. Like that's, things started to get really hard and really weird and really scary once that started happening. And so you're talking about Reiki and that kind of thing? Yes. Oh, wow. 
Okay. And she also claimed to be speaking to my ancestor guides and, you know, things like that. I mean, she was holding conversations with, I don't know who, while she was doing this, this energy work on me. Mm. At this point in time, did you have any kind of a, hey, you know what, maybe we don't want to go down this road. This isn't, this isn't a good idea. Did you have any kind of a sense that that might be the case? Not yet. The overwhelming sense that I had at that point was just, I was becoming more and more anxious, but Mm. I don't think I could put my finger on that as being related to what I was allowing in my life because I, I have a history of, of depression and anxiety, a lot of, you know, a lot of childhood wounds and things. And so I just, I just thought my anxiety was getting worse and that I was in a a season of, of high anxiety and boy, was I, and it, that this was just the beginning, but I, um, yeah, I just noticed that my anxiety was increasing um, and and my kind of general misery and discontent. Like I had moments where I felt extremely high, but most of the time I just felt anxious and, and insecure and a so little bit frightened. What happened um, next once all the healing, quote, <laughs> energy healing start, started? To my surprise and to my husband's surprise, we became pregnant and this was at 40. I became Mm -hmm. pregnant. That had its own, I mean, my, you know, my marriage wasn't in a good place and it was a time of high stress, I would say. Right. Right. Yep. (laughs) And um, a lot of transitions and then physically needing to move and, you know, a bunch of things were happening. And so I wasn't in some ways, that was a blessing because I wasn't doing as much of the new age stuff during my pregnancy. I was, um, you know, I was working a lot and and just kind of trying to prepare myself for for parenthood um, after not having spent any of my life preparing myself for that. You know, but I maintained my relationship with with the shaman, and so she would jump in and out of my day to day life, but she was not nearly as much of a presence. So. I, I don't know if there's a relationship or not, but I had a, an extremely, extremely difficult and lengthy labor. And, mm. um, and she was present for a good part of that. I didn't know what I was walking into, of course, having never had a baby before, but I just remember being really terrified. And I've always wondered if it was because she was there and what she was working while I was there, if that makes any sense. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so anyway, it was a it was just a really difficult labor, and then once my daughter was with us, she you know she has some some challenges, and she was a, a very um, she was a colicky baby. She had a lot of uh, you know she didn't she didn't sleep, she didn't soothe, um, and so you know the first few months of her life a real blur of just you know depression and almost no sleep and. And a lot of stress. And so I would say within about six months of, of my daughter's birth, I was really reaching for new age again because I felt like I needed help. I will also point something out though, because it was at exactly the same time that I started digging deeper into new age that um, I would struggle to get my daughter to sleep, to nap. And um, I would, I started singing to her and a lot of different songs would come to me, but but Sunday school songs started coming to me and I started singing them to her. Hmm. Um, and I remember thinking at the time, I don't know where these are coming from. I mean, I, it isn't that I didn't know them, but I just thought that's weird. I don't know why I'm singing these to her, but 
but this works. I, you know, this, this works, I'm going to keep doing it. And so I did, but anyway, yeah, that's when I started reaching really, really heavily um, back into new age. I started working a lot with stones and placing them in different places around the house to try and get them to do specific things for me or my family um, to try and get my daughter to sleep and just all kinds of things. Um, really trying to manipulate reality in whatever way I believed that I might be able to because things were really difficult. So here on one hand, you're singing Sunday school songs. On, on the other hand, you're still delving into new age. I can imagine that at this point, spiritually, you're kind of a train wreck. Yes. Um, and, very, and very confused. And, right. And starting to get a little bit scared. What was the actual turning point from, I mean, I mean, did it, did you get, did you get, did it get worse or did you finally come to a turning point or how did, how oh, yeah. did that? It, okay. it got way worse. It got way worse. Um, okay. I didn't come to Christ until my daughter was um, almost three. So I still had some, some descending to do. Um, mm-hmm. I, I basically, to, to try and sum it up, I, I, the more my anxiety increased, the more, anxious and stressed, I felt the more I was asking the unseen for help and kind of the more desperately I was reaching for everything I could think of. I started doing something that some people call muscle testing, but it's not the kind of muscle testing that, um, that happens in a clinical setting. It's more, it's called sway testing, I guess. And this is a practice where you put something in your hand or you hold a thought in your mind and really kind of use it as a divination. Like, is this good for me? Is this bad for me? Depending on how my body sways, this is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to trust that this is telling me what to do. And I started oh, doing wow. that for everything. Um, Cause I just felt completely out of control. I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to um, handle some of the issues that were coming up with my daughter. And I was in a pretty isolated situation. Yeah. I was just really struggling. So, you know, my marriage was really disintegrating. Um, things were not going well. And we had some pretty decisive arguments that led to me feeling that I needed to take my daughter elsewhere. In 2015, I, I took her somewhere else and um, to, to live with the grandmother who raised me, the Christian grandmother who raised me. Oh, wow. Okay. And, <laughs> and really scary things started happening as soon as I got into that house. Um, but what do, you, what do you mean by that? What happened? Well, because, you know, I continued with my practices, even though I wasn't, um, I wasn't in, in very frequent contact with the woman who I, you know, had sort of led me down this path. I just, I was still relying on doing the same old, same old. So, you know, when right. I get my daughter into bed at the end of, at the end of the day, I would go into the bedroom, my bedroom and just start talking to the entities. Okay. Now I know, now I know they were demons, but right at the time, at the time I thought I was talking to angels and well, I was of a kind. Uh, Except they were of the fallen sort, right? Okay. Fallen sort. Yes. Um, Didn't, didn't know that should have, if I'd been biblically aware, if I'd been paying attention in church all that time, I would have known that there are both kinds of angels. Anyway, um, to my to my shame, that was not something in my awareness, and so okay. I thought I was talking to angels, and um, I thought they were helping me. And, and when you say when you say talking to them, did they actually 
I mean, at this point in your life, were they actually communicating back to you? Well, I was using sway testing in, in a way. I, sometimes I did hear things. Sometimes I could hear or I thought I could hear kind of whispers and things. Um, mm-hmm. but mostly I was um, asking yes or no questions and, and then my body was, you know, swaying. Was your grandmother aware that you were involved in any of this? No. What happened then? Over the course of a summer, I felt that um, I was being asked to do things. I felt that I was being led to do things, things that didn't make any sense to me and things that started to seem pretty scary. This doesn't involve harming other people, but just just big time-wasting things, um, energy-wasting things. The big thing that I was sort of led down was this path that I could um, help people cross over and just this huge deception that, um, that made me feel important and like I had a purpose because I was kind of at the low point in my life of just feeling like all I did from the moment I, my feet hit the floor till the moment I got in bed was, you know, take care of my daughter and, and I was exhausted and, and just felt like I had, that there was no meaning and no point to my life anymore. I mean, I felt, mm-hmm. I felt like my mind was being wasted and, you know, just, I was definitely, I think at this point, um, I was starting to realize that I had undiagnosed postpartum depression on top of everything else. But, you know, mm-hmm. I was just not in a good mental state. I wanted to feel important. And boy, you know, the enemy knows that. <laughs> and so I, I kind of just had these elaborate deceptions about how I was going to um, you know, do my own energy healing on people and I was going to be helping people to cross over that somehow people could die and go into this in-between place and not where they were neither here nor there and that, that only certain people could help them with that. And it was just, it was insane. It was insane. Wow. I mean, I, I recognize, I fully recognize that I was, at some point I stopped being in my right mind. And that's pretty frightening. And, mm. and you know, there were moments where I could see that that was the case. Mm-hmm. Um, by then, my daughter was starting to say things that were scary. I mean, my grandmother was becoming very frightened. She said that, that you know, my actions... The way that I, the way that I seemed, my affect was scaring her. And just, Did your grandmother finally pick up on the fact that you were uh, involved in the occult? Yes. Okay. And how did she? I mean, being being the church going Christian sort, how did she uh, respond to that? She responded to it mostly with prayer and mm-hmm. with and with trying to explain to me that she felt I was being deceived. She didn't get into anything too specific. I think she felt a little over her head. Um, you know, she's, she's older and isn't really aware of some of the, some of these practices or even what they right. So she right. wasn't able to recognize some of it, she, but she could tell from my affect that things were, I mean, she, she felt there was something demonic happening for sure. And, and right. she, told, she told me as much. She was praying and I was so afraid actually at, at this point of, of the darkness that I could feel all around me that I started praying with her, even though I was, it was really hard hearted to God. I still, I started praying with her. I didn't pray to God. I kind of, I I still addressed angels, but I was praying. I was getting down on my knees with her and I was praying. And, and I think the Lord was still using that a little bit to start Mm. to soften me up. And at that same time, even though, you know, when, when everything was just completely falling apart for some reason, I started tuning to Christian radio, and that was the only radio that I wanted to listen to in my car. 
Now that's interesting. That's yeah. very interesting. Um, <laughs> so I was I was listening to it. I mean, I I definitely have a testimonial for just for Caleb. You know, hey, you guys really <laughs> changed my life. I, I really do think that the Lord used that to start moving me in a different direction. I can't even imagine the uh, spiritual conflict that's going on in your heart and in your mind at this time. Absolutely, absolutely, it was it was suffocating. That, that's the only way I can describe it. Every I mean, I felt like I was carrying this huge weight. And I do think in retrospect that, that there was, you know, all out warfare happening during that time. Um, I'm certain. I'm certain. Yeah. I, I, I totally, you know, I, I do wonder, you know, when God's warfare really got underway. And I'm wondering if that's right around the time that I started singing Sunday school songs, like, you know, if the Holy Spirit got involved at that point or, or when, um, mm-hmm. but it, it did seem like increasingly even though I was really confused and very conflicted that my spiritual openness was leaving space for God. So what happened when you started, you started playing the Christian music in your home or no, in your car. In the car. Um, so, I mean, cause I know that Caleb oftentimes will uh, offer like little messages or something. Did any of that kind of penetrate? Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it must have, it still felt fairly distant for me. I didn't really wholeheartedly buy into what I was hearing. You know, it's just like Jesus with his parables. He uses story to get behind our defenses. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt like those songs were doing. I felt like the songs were, were getting behind the defenses mm. that I kind of put around my heart. There was one song in particular. There were a few songs that really ministered to me. I don't know if you're interested in knowing what that Oh, of course I am. Was. Of course I am. Of course I am. <laughs> Um, so, so the one song that, and it just kept playing over and over and over again was, oh my gosh, I'm not even sure if this is what it's called, but you lift me up by the afters. Mm -hmm. That song just, I mean, it, it made me weepy every single time that I heard it. And it definitely got into, you know, the dry and painful places. And I found myself wanting to hear it. And every time it came on, I just was, ah, this is what I need. This is what I need. Right. Okay. So what happened um, going from there? You know, still in this darkness and confusion, I had one very, very frightening day where I hadn't been sleeping really at all that summer. Um, But I I had a really difficult night. Um, It was hot. It was in August and it was just, you know, brutal. And, um, I woke, my daughter has never been a good sleeper. It's always been an issue. And I just felt like I was starting to lose my mind over her not sleeping. And I was desperate to get her some, some help. And so I, it was a a Sunday morning. I got in the car intending to drive to the mall to, to try and solve the sleep problem Mm -hmm. and get a different mattress. And just, you know, I was going to spend whatever I needed to spend of my husband's money to make this happen. And I, as soon as I got in the car and started driving up the street, I heard a voice say, slow down. And it sounded like that. I mean, it was just, it was very, it was almost like a punch in the gut, slow down. And I thought, okay, well, that's weird. But I basically ignored it. I turned onto another road and the car, even though I was trying to accelerate, the car slowed down. And okay. I thought, okay, this is scary. And then I heard, look, I'm thinking, all right. So I look, I turn because I'm passing a 
non-denominational, basically the equivalent of a Unitarian Universalist church, which was in the neighborhood. As I'm passing by, I see somebody in a car. And so I look, and then I kind of keep driving, and I'm getting more and more scared. And suddenly this scenario starts playing in my head of, okay, is that person in trouble? What's happening? Why am I supposed to look? Am I supposed to help? What, you know, and I just, I, I had gone from sort of feeling hopeful. I'm leaving the house. I'm going to go get something for my daughter to feeling like I'm getting pulled into something um, by the unseen that I don't understand. And things just started unraveling from there because I drove a few more blocks and got out of the car, pulled over, got out of the car, started freaking out. The long and the short of it is that um, there was this, this conversation that started happening in my head that was trying to get me to implicate somebody that I didn't really know for doing something that I hadn't seen. Basically, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that there were voices telling me to throw somebody under the bus. <laughs> I mean, that's the long and oh, the short wow. of it. It's much more wow. complicated than that, but I felt like that's where it was leading. And I felt the wrongness of that, but also really scared and overwhelmed because whatever had access to me was, I mean, it really had access to me. And I felt like it was, um, um, I did eventually get to the mall. By the time I got to the mall, I just kind of, I was feeling like I'd already been through the ringer. I felt very oppressed and overpowered almost. And I remember audibly hearing, you need to go sit down. And so I left the store and I went and I sat down. There was a place to sit down. And then I heard, you need to lay down. And, I, and while this was happening, my heart was, you know, pounding out of my chest. And I really did feel like I was going to pass out. Like I just was completely overcome, for lack of a better word, physically overcome. And so I did this. And I thought, okay, I'm going to lay down here and die. That's, that's how bad I felt. Oh, wow. And uh, ended up going to the emergency room and spending... I don't know, three hours in the emergency room where they couldn't really find anything other than that I was a little bit dehydrated. Um, But I felt while I was in that emergency room, like I was literally being, that there was literally a war being waged for me right then and there. I kept hearing or sensing trust, trust, trust. Um, Like there was something willing me to just breathe and trust Um, Because I was just getting more and more, I I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. Anyway, yeah, so that day was kind of a turning point because I felt that, um, I mean, I felt afraid to die. Mm -hmm. I felt that that I was probably going to. I didn't understand what was happening to me and nobody could explain it. You know, that's kind of when I started talking to God. From that, what brought you back to actually communication with God? Because, I mean, that's kind of a big leap in, in respect from you're listening to these demonic um, entities, so now you're actually wanting to talk to God. (laughs) Well, um, somewhere at some point in my life, you know, some part of my heart knew and trusted and acknowledged God. I think I built a lot of walls, but I, I can only come to the conclusion that some part of me still recognized his sovereignty because I mm. asked him for help. And so what happened once you start talking to God? Well, not much. I still wasn't understanding. I wasn't understanding what I was doing. I didn't really know what I was asking. I just knew I felt desperate and was just kind of grasping for help. But my grandmother, within a few days, I mean, I 
my condition continued to deteriorate and I was just getting weaker and weaker. And um, she was praying over me and she invited somebody, she led me through the sinner's prayer. And then she invited a friend on the phone to pray with me as well. And so that's really when Jesus entered the picture. It was, it was just kind of a, a process. I mean, I really did have to hit rock bottom to look up. Was it a process to kind of get out of uh, 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 this this spiritual quagmire that you had gotten yourself into, or <laughs> did he remove your? Did he remove you immediately? Or well, what happened is that my grandmother made a phone call to a longtime friend who lived in another city, and that friend made a phone call, and she got a pastor from a church in a nearby town to come out to our house that day. He prayed with us. He gave. He put a book of promises in my hand and encouraged me to start reading through some Psalms um, and also put me in connection with um, a woman he, you know, called a, a true prayer warrior um, and mm. invited me to start praying with her on a daily basis. And so that's kind of what started things happening pretty rapidly. I mean, I, I didn't understand what was happening. It isn't like suddenly um, all the scales came off my eyes and, and I could see the truth of things. That that came pretty gradually. I mean, I, I felt rescued. I felt lighter. I could actually see some light for the first time in a long time. And the daily prayer I mean this woman literally she prayed with me every single morning between six thirty and seven because that's you know, that was kind of before I had to make breakfast for my daughter and everything. So she would, whenever I was available, she would do it. And that committed prayer time every morning, even though I didn't know how to pray, you know, she would pray with me and that really got things going. She also did Bible study with me and, uh, you know, just was very instrumental in making herself available to me to guide me and, and lovingly um, show me ways in which I'd been deceived. Um, wow. wow. But it's wow. been just a, just a peeling back of layers that, um, that continues. I mean, I, this, this was in August of 2015, so it hasn't, it hasn't even been three years. Um, but I think I am in the accelerated program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see why. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's someone who is, uh, stuck in that quagmire. Maybe they're listening and maybe they're stuck and they're in a similar place to you. Maybe they're playing with things that, 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 that seem right at the time. But um, what would you say to them? When you're full of yourself, there's no room for God. And in my experience with the new age that humbled me greatly, I believe the new age was all about becoming more and more full of self. I think other really scary things can start to happen, but I wish I felt more articulate on the topic, just that I, I feel that the new age is about self-love, but it's not even a true self-love. It's more about self-love through power and, and self-mastery. And when you do that, you're not giving God any room to work. And from your experience, what should Christians be aware of uh, around the New Age that maybe they aren't aware of now? I guess I would say that if it's not, if you can't find it in your Bible, then seriously question 
whether or not it belongs in your life. Amen. I had some experiences myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up, There were some people in my life that were involved in uh, New Age or tarot card reading at mm-hmm. one point. You know, my best friend was a spiritist, and this was before I became a believer, mm-hmm. uh, and even to a point after I became. And so, uh, what I would say at this point is, if it, if you are speaking to anything, an entity, or anything. And it cannot declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That I would seriously question if that entity is from God. And Amen. if it is not from God, then it is of the evil one. Yep. And I would, I would agree wholeheartedly. Again, I think, um, unfortunately, many, many people are biblically ignorant. And I was also, oh, yeah. even though I was raised as a Christian, we didn't read the Bible, you know? So I, that, I didn't. And, and that, is a, that is a common, common problem within the christian church how many people do you think are so biblically illiterate oh and, and then they say oh this isn't so bad i think the biggest deception starts with what did god really say right did god really say that you will not die you know if you if you eat this 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 fruit you know back in the book of genesis if you eat this fruit you'll know the knowledge of good and evil and oftentimes when you're looking at new age what they want is hidden knowledge yes i would strongly encourage anyone that is listening you know, Christian or non-Christian, check everything. You know, what are you watching? What are you letting in your ear gate, your eye gate? What are you, what are you listening to? Yep. If it's not glorifying to God, then it doesn't need to be in your life. Yep. So, well, Sophie, so, thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really, I really hope that, um, I really hope somebody needed to hear it. With that, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been the Unresolved Life Podcast. Hey, if this has been useful and you know that someone that needs to hear it, would you please click that share button? And if this is your first time hearing, there is a little subscribe button that you can click. You will not miss a future episode. And with that, I'm Teresa Blaze. This has been the Unresolved Life Podcast. We will speak again next time. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.